0: I'm going to be reading from Galatians 5 verse 16 through 25. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do but if you are led by the Spirit you are not under the law not now the works of the flesh are evident kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit.
1: We've been talking about self-care in here quite a bit recently, and what does self-care look like? And is self-care, just what you see on the picture, is it sitting down with a hot drink of some sort, and a good book, and fuzzy slippers on a winter day. <laughs> pumpkin spice, somebody says, yes, pumpkin spice certainly enters into the equation for some of you whack jobs. <laughs> it's, it's good. We're going to have the great debate, pumpkin spice or not. And we've been talking about how Jesus, the number one command of Jesus was to love others as you love yourself, and how often that as you love yourself it gets neglected, but when Jesus made the statement, he, he was kind of speaking it like an axiomatic truth, like, of course you love yourself. And a lot of times in our current culture and our current, current society, it's, it's hard for us to love ourselves. And you can get buried in the church in such a way where you feel like you're not supposed to love yourself. And we've been talking about what it means to love self. And we've, we've talked about, is it, is it different for the follower of Jesus than the non-follower of Jesus? If, if you're a follower of Jesus, does it, does it change what self-care looks like. And we've talked about physical health, taking care of your body. And we've talked about financial health, taking care of your money. Talking about uh, friendships and the importance of friendships. And we specifically mentioned that Jesus needed his friends in his most crucial moment. And so do you. And we've talked about meditation. Does any, anybody for bonus points remember the, the Celtic meditation I taught you one Sunday morning? I think Sydney is the spiritual person in the room, good job, sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, lo- love surrounds me, yeah, the, the... <laughs> shut up, the, the holy one, yeah, we talked about meditation and kind of investing in your spiritual life, and we've, this week we're going to start talking about personal development, and I did a values assessment recently with the Jesus Collective, this is the assessment, and I've got all my notes in it, and it's 23 or 22 different options, and you're supposed to select five of them that you consider your most important values on this list. Like if you could attain these, these are the ones you really gun for, and they're things like to own a house, to achieve a college degree, to have a physical appearance to be proud of, to be in a meaningful love relationship. I selected number 14, which was to have a meaningful relationship with a higher order in the universe, which I took to mean God. That's, that's the number one thing for me. Number two, because I'm awesome, was to be an honest person because I'm very, very spiritual. But it's important to me to be honest. And then I I, I said, I I initially checked to have some honest, close friendships, but then I checked to have a good marriage instead. I I had to pick five out of the list and I chose marriage over friendships, which isn't to demean friendships. It's just to say that if I'm going to set my highest priority, my marriage is going to come first and to be a better parent. And then I. I took my cheat meal here with to experience unlimited travel, which I thought was really worded kind of hilarious. It sounds like a superpower, unlimited travel man, but I, if I could have a superpower, that would be the one I wanted. And the group I was with, a lot of them chose to have a safe community. That was one of the ones they talked about, but a values assessment kind of helps you prioritize your life. So, so once you've filled out the values assessment, then I can start thinking about how I spend my time, how I prioritize my time and my resources. And so if I want my marriage to be good, I have to prioritize time and resources for my marriage. If I want to be an honest person, I I need to invest in that part of my life and and make choices in accordance with my priorities. If I wanna be a good parent, I need to spend time with my kids. I need to be invested in their lives. And so I'm convinced that this passage that Sophia read in Galatians five kind of fills us in on what is sort of a values exercise only it's characteristics. So instead of owning a home, it's things like patience. And character is, is different. And, and so this passage in Galatians is talking about what's, what's called the fruit of the Spirit. And when we think of characteristics, if, if I said, what characteristics do you want? That's different than owning a home or getting an education. It's like, what kind of person do you want to be? And once you've established your values, then you invest in those things. And so you might choose courage. For example it would be a characteristic that would be valuable, or thriftiness, or passion, or trustworthiness. Like, this is the kind of person that I want to be. And it's important that we examine when we talk about self care. A huge part of it is just talking about what kind of person we want to be so that we know how to spend our time and our resources. And I think this passage in, in Galatians gives us a good, a good view, a good, a good list of virtues that are worth striving for. And this is the list that it gives us it says, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm thinking once the new year starts, we're going to do an entire series on each of these and spend a week or two on each of them because I just think they're incredibly valuable and incredibly important. But for whatever reason in processing this, I started thinking about the pyramids. Weirdo, I was. Who knows what the pyramids are? Like, like what were they used for? What's the teleology of a pyramid? They're ancient tombs. They're gravesites. And for some reason, the pyramid thing tied into, (laughs) you'll see how my mind trips out all the time, but it tied into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And of course, we know, most of us are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs and at the base are physiological needs, needs to breathe. That's that's the number one need of a human being is to breathe. You can't go very long without it. Then to drink, then to eat, then there's sexual needs and so forth. Then above that in, in the pyramid is security needs and above that are existential needs like esteem. And at the very top, does anybody remember what it is? Self-actualization. And then not a lot of people know this, but at the very peak of that, at the very top of self-actualization is Wi-Fi access and coffee. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's, that's the reality. And I was thinking of, of, of my tomb. Like if you could put HL was a... <laughs> please don't fill in the blank in your head right now. But if you could put that on a tombstone, this list from Galatians was a what? What? I don't want to hear your answer, <laughs> I'm terrified at this moment, we're going to move on with life. HL was a person, good, good, I think, therefore I am, That's, we've got that down, it's solid. Any of these attributes, I would love to have on my tombstone. So when I sit down and I think about my values as a human being and what I want my characteristics to be, this is a pretty good list, it's not an exhaustive list, I don't think it was intended to be an exhaustive list, but it's a list worth examining, and so we're going to run through it real quick and talk about each one individually just very briefly, then talk about applying it to ourselves and how when we apply it to ourselves, it overflows in our lives into others' lives, and that's, that's the plan for the day. Love. Love is the foundation of everything. It's the essence of what it means to be human, the essence of existence. It's, it's the foundation, the cornerstone that, in my opinion, creation was built upon. Love is all and in all and through all, and it's the most important thing, and it encapsulates the rest. You could just say the fruit of the spirit is love and kind of full stop there and you'd be in good shape. And so if anything belongs on our pyramid, if anything belongs on our list on, on the tombstone of our life, hopefully it will be D was love or John was love. If we can if we could capture that, A plus on existence. You've scored a hundred on your test. That's it's, it's it's the greatest. It's the biggest thing. Then it talks about joy, and joy is different from happiness. You know, we, we, we say that all men are created equal and have the right to the pursuit of happiness, but happiness tends to be fleeting and circumstantial. Joy is something intemporal. It's outside of time, and it's outside of circumstance. Joy is unrelated to circumstance. Joy is essentially the ability to be happy no matter what, and it's closely related to the next one, which is peace. And we've talked a lot of in here about Peace and Jesus being the prince of peace. Irene the, in the Greek language and shalom in the, in the Hebrew language. And a lot of times Hebrew people will greet one another, shalom, shalom, brother, shalom, sister. And it's this, it's, it's not a feeling, it's like, it's like a being of all is right, all is well. It's just an understanding that no matter what, no matter my circumstances, it is well with my soul. And some of the songs... Paul saying this morning, tie into that. It's, it's the idea that when we walk this thing out, everything is right with the world. Peace. Patience. Now, this is where we lose some people. We say love, joy, and peace, and we're all like, "Yay, man, brother. We say patience, and we're like, hmm, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure about that because patience is related to control, and now we make people angry. Patience means allowing things to move at their proper pace. We're going to talk briefly about being patient with oneself, but it means change is important. God's moving people's lives is important, but we don't get to set the time frame for that to occur, even in our own lives. We we let processes happen. We, We don't have to grip and control and want what we want right now. I've always heard, what do we want? Time travel. When do we want it? Whenever. But a lot of times, we want stuff, and we want it now, and patience lets go of that. It's a loose-handed approach to life and living and transformation. Then there's kindness. Kindness was challenging for me, because kindness seems counterintuitive when anger is called for. And we don't have time to go into that today, but I want to tell a story, a couple stories today, about doctors and bedside manner and how bedside manner is important and how it relates to our lives. My, my brother, when we were young, we were going down some water slides at a theme park, and he went down backwards on his belly, so his feet were going first. His toenails caught a seam between the concrete. Yummy. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible story. And when he got down, he was obviously in a lot of pain, and we went to the doctor, and there was concrete wedged under many of his toenails. And the doctor started scraping, and he started screaming. And my mom was saying, can't you anesthetize? Can't you do something to control this pain? He says, I'll be done soon. I'll be done soon. It'll be over quickly. And he kept scraping. And then he got to the point where he was clipping the edges of the toenails and pulling them back to pull it out. And my mom finally got really angry and said, stop what you're doing, and kind of screamed at him. And he said, I'm done. But this thing went on for way too long. Now, was he good? Sort of. He was, he, was, he was trying to help. We had to get the concrete out. But was he kind? I don't think so. I think he was unkind. I think his bedside manner was inappropriate at that moment. That kind, that kind of in some way fills my head with what, this idea of what kindness is. It means you alleviate pain when you can. It, it, it doesn't mean that you can always alleviate pain or that you can always make things right in a moment, which ties into patience. But it does mean, when possible, you take away pain from people. It also has to do with enacting love. Kindness is love in action, it means doing something with your love. It's one thing, uh, Sarah led a, a devotional at our Nile light service the other day, and, and one of the passages talked about not loving in word only, but in deed as well, and kindness is kind of taking love from word to deed, which is a personal point of self-examination that I need to do often. There's goodness, and goodness is a little challenging to describe as well. I I think about this—the court case I heard of, where a judge was expected to define pornography. And most of you have heard this at this point. But he said, "I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it." And goodness is kind of like that. It's—it's—it's like striving towards peace, love, and joy. It's there's there's opposites of love and hatred. There's opposites of peace, which is chaos. There's opposites of joy which is frustration and anger and hurt and pain. And it's being a person who strives for the former. And if you're not a member of the good news underscore movement on Instagram, you ought to be. And I want to show you a video. I don't know that it's going to translate very well because the text is going to be pretty small back there, and I'm going to try to read the text to you without becoming a blubbering idiot in the middle of it. But this is a video of a woman whose son... (laughs) has gone on a journey from brain surgery. So the video starts at the beginning of brain surgery, the night before brain surgery, and it moves on to see how he's recovered. And I'm gonna read it for you as it goes on. It says, the night before brain surgery. It was such a scary time. I just wanted to soak in all the cuddles and hugs and kisses. Recovery, we are learning how to eat. Speak. Walk. His first step's unassisted. My superhero. I have loved you for a thousand years I will love you for a thousand more. And this is the kind of stuff that I sit and blubber over all the time. With the, One of the, my favorites recently has been a, a guy who goes around inviting random strangers to go to Disney World with him. And he walks up to a man in a walker that's probably in his... He's well-progressed in age, probably in his late 80s is my guess. He says, will you go to Disney World with me? And he says, he says well, yes, I will. At the end of it, the old man is crying and saying, this has been the best day of my life. And you've seen him ride in the teacups and on the, on the different rides and the different shows. And I just, <laughs> the man in the Disney world. Is. But Good News Movement posts videos like this all the time and I really encourage you to join them. But there's something about that life that takes random strangers to Disney world. There's, there, there is a world where kids get brain cancer and don't progress. We want to be people that... that fo- We can't ignore it, but we strive, we push towards what is good and holy and thriving and pure, goodness. Faithfulness speaks of constancy. Everybody can be good sometimes. Everybody can be patient sometimes. Everybody can be loving sometimes. But sometimes isn't the the walk you want to walk. This, This word of faithfulness kind of binds them all together and ties them in together into consistency and constancy. And so you don't want to just be you don't want to be a roller coaster, you want to be constantly striving towards the good, constantly striving towards kindness, constantly striving towards love. Then there's gentleness, and I'm going to tell another story on another doctor. And I've had, I've had really, really good medical people. I've had multiple surgeries in my life, I've had traumatic sinus surgeries where the process was extremely painful and there were, there were people holding my hand throughout saying, I'm here with you, it's going to be okay. And there are good medical practitioners out there with good bedside manner. And then there are people who are just not gentle. And I had one doctor. My mom had had a stroke. She was in a, a coma. She was in an, an induced coma and on life support. And the prognosis was not good. And I was sleeping on one of those fold-out chairs next to her hospital bed one night. And you don't, you don't sleep well in those chairs because there's a lot on your mind. If you're in one of those chairs, there's a lot in your mind. They're not comfortable. So I had tossed and turned all night. It was, it was hot in the room, and, and uh, I was lacking Wi-Fi access, so you know life was a real struggle at that point. But I was just suffering, relatively suffering. When at four in the morning, somebody shook me awake, and it was a doctor I hadn't met. And he said, he said you need to know that your mom is not going to make it. It was one of the first things that came out of his mouth. Shook me awake at four in the morning to tell me that. He said, "There's massive hemorrhaging in the brain. If we take her off life support, she won't last more than a few minutes. You're going to have to make a decision as to when to make take her off of life support." And the whole thing is kind of a blur. I mean, I, I was—I didn't even really know what was going on. And he said, "He said we'll be back in the morning, but you need—you—you you have to make a decision now," and left the room. And I've always—I—I I think I've kind of blocked it out of my mind, just how. Un, unkind, and the lack of gentleness that that man displayed at that moment. Now, he was, a, he was a bearer of bad news, and sometimes bad news has to be delivered. He was encouraging me to make a decision that needed to be made. Those are, those are good things. Those are right things. He was just not gentle. He was unkind. And I think, I think all of us kind of think scoundrel or scumbag, don't we? Like, it was, it was just severely uncool. And when we talk about goodness, we're we're talking about good bedside manner. It doesn't mean that everything is good all the time. Kindness doesn't mean that everything is good all the time. It means that you do your best to make it easy, to make it palatable. Christians are notoriously bad at not being gentle, and we need to be gentle. Then there's this last one on the list that feels off to me, like it doesn't belong on the list. We're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness. And then self control just feels like rules to me. It feels like laying down the law. And so I wanted to explore this word a little bit more. In the Greek, it's enkrateia. Enkrateia doesn't mean what we think self control means necessarily, it's, it's a bigger word than that. And in, in Socrates' time, Socrates was hundreds of years before Jesus. There was this word enkrates. And enkrates meant like power over. So a, a master would have enkratēs over his slave, or a government would have enkratēs over his people. And Socrates had three disciples that wanted to talk about self-control and self-power and power over self. And so they coined this word, enkratēia, And enkratēia has to do with like, ownership of self, ownership of how one operates and how one is. And then Aristotle took it a step further, so... Later on, Aristotle became an acronym, for, or I'm sorry, an antonym for the word akrasia. And akrasia is like the inability to implement morality. So I have akrasia when there's a basket of tortilla chips in front of me. I, I, this is a simple illustration, but I, I've, I've told my friends, I just, there, there's very few times in my life when I say I just can't control myself. The basket of tortilla chips is the thing. All it is is vegetable oil and corn, and there's nothing good about it. I mean, there's nothing healthy about it, but nothing good, that's, that's questionable. But I can look at that basket of chips and say, bad, not good for me, not healthy, not, not good self-care. But acracia, because I have this attribute of acrasia, I say, yum, yum, and I go for it, especially at Chewy's where they have that jalapeno ranch dip, and it's just right there. But there may be parts of your life that you struggle with. It might be the use of of consumption of alcohol and the overuse of it. It could be anger and exhibitions of anger. There could be your inability to set an alarm and get up of a morning. There's just just a thousand things that you ought to control that would be proper self-care for you and you just can't. And can't is not true, but akrasia is this idea that you get me. You feel the vibe I'm, I'm trying to create here. It's, it's this thing that says, I shouldn't, but I will. And he decided that encrateia was kind of the opposite of that. And what you'll notice is about encrateia and Akrasia is they both know what is right and good. They recognize what is peaceful. They recognize what is joyful. They recognize what is kind. But one does, and the other doesn't. And so... Aristotle and his followers eventually called this, in Crateria, the virtue of all virtues. It's self-mastery. It's to say, not only do I recognize what is good, not only do I recognize what is joyful, do I recognize what is peaceful, but I take the steps necessary to implement those things in my life. And that's why it belongs on the list. It's, it's almost like a characteristic of, of will, the strength to implement this list. So When we talk about self-care, it's a pretty darn good list to strive for. We've talked a lot in here of late about self-care and the importance of taking care of oneself. and The illustration that when you board a plane, they tell you to put on your oxygen mask before you put on the oxygen mask of the person next to you. That way you will have the strength and the ability and the cognition to take care of business. And in some sense, where Jesus says, love others as you love yourself, as you love yourself is the precursor for the rest. It's the foundation upon loving which lo- loving others is developed and built on. And so I wanna go back through the list and I wanna encourage you to apply each of these words toward yourself. I have, I do sermon prep in my half sleep all the time. I, I wake up from weird dreams and they're often related to the sermon. This morning I woke up from a dream where I was at a beach in California and the beach boys were there rushing the water and a crowd was following them and my family was with me and we were on vacation and, and they started to chase the Beach Boys because who gets to see the Beach Boys on a California beach? I mean, everybody's woohoo, wigging out. And I said, look, if we go watch the Beach Boys, we're not going to make it to the restaurant on time. And probably the restaurant had tortilla chips is my guess. But I was just upset that we weren't going to make it. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted to share it with you. But the other day, I woke up thinking about this stuff and and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control running through my head. And I, God was in my dream. I'm not saying God was speaking to me, I'm pretty careful about that. But in my dream, God was speaking to me, and He was saying the words to have and to exude. And that's what I woke up with. And I thought, okay, that makes a lot of sense is when we have it, we can give it away. When we have love, when we love self, when we take joy in ourselves, then we can exude love and joy and peace, when we have it in its fullness, and it overflows and bubbles out of us. But then I started thinking, "Exude" is kind of a weird word, and do I have it right? I wasn't sure, so I looked up the word "exude," and this was the first definition I found: Discharge, moisture <laughs> or a smell slowly and steadily. Gross. I thought that's not what I want to teach. But then the second, de- the second definition, and, and the one that was proper in my head, and a, that God talked to me in the dream about, was it's like an open and strong display of an emotion or a characteristic. So it means not only do I have joy, you can you can you can sit and be, you could be joyful and not look joyful, but to exude is to appear to be joyful, to to let it out, to strongly display. So not only. Are we encouraged to be people of peace and love and joy and faithfulness? Or be people that, like a perfume, it goes out of us and into the world and people get a hold of it. And so, talking about love, when we talk about self-care, loving yourself is crazy important and really, really hard for some people. And that's not the point of the sermon today, except to say that this this concept of self-care and when it comes to values is you, you've, got, you've got to start with that foundation of I love me. And that seems antagonistic to a lot of Christian teachings today that you should never say I love me. And that's just absolutely not true. So then it begs the question of how. I don't love myself. How do I love myself? And we will get there, but until then you'll have to exude and hold on to patience. Joy. Can you take joy in yourself? Does yourself bring you pleasure or pain? This is something God wants to work on in your life. If, if, if you can't take joy in yourself and say, I am a masterpiece, I'm a work of art from the creator, God wants to shift that and change it. And then as you, take, as you have love for yourself and in yourself and you understand yourself and you exude love, you help others. This is where goodness comes in. See, they all tie together. They all tie together where goodness comes in, is you, when you exude love, you bring love to others. When you exude peace, you bring peace to others. When you exude joy, you bring joy to others, peace and patience. Have patience with yourself. It took you a long time to get into this mess. It's going to take a long time to get out sometimes. Allow yourself the time and don't beat yourself up, but allow yourself the necessary time. Be kind to yourself Some people's self-talk is hateful. That is not God's desire for you. God wants you to be kind to yourself. Do you see these are... This is in God's holy book. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are attributes God wants you to have. That means that they're axiomatically good. This is good stuff that God's pouring out on you. And you be loving towards humans, be peaceful towards humans, be patient with humans, be joyful towards humans. And guess what? You are a human. What you feel like God wants you to do for others, allow that to invade you and fill you. Goodness towards yourself. It's okay to want the good. It's okay to be constantly like this. So it's it's one thing to say, yeah, I guess I'm not so bad. I guess I could be nice to myself for once. For once doesn't cut it. Faithfulness is constancy. So faithfulness means you start to have this goodness towards yourself consistently and constantly. Be gentle with yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Don't harm yourself. And allow self-control to bind it all together. Ask God for the self. Ask God for this self-mastery, this virtue above all virtues, to tie it all together to where you can love yourself and take joy in yourself and have peace in who you are and have patience with yourself and so forth. You are worthy of this list. If you don't hear anything else today, some of you and some watching online need to hear that. You are worthy of love and joy and peace and so forth. Allow that to be real to you. Just ask God to make it real to you. It's it's one thing to hear it To say it, it's another thing for it to be what's called revelatory. Revelatory means it has been revealed to you. And I I just feel sometimes, very rarely, and this may be the only time in the history of our church I've ever done this, but I feel prophetic right now. I feel like God is speaking through me. You need to ask God to reveal this truth to you, that you are worthy of this list. Ask God to reveal his truth to you, that you are worthy of this list. So how to be fruity? Some of you are like, I can tell you. This passage in Galatians 5, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. What it means is, you are a tree or you are a plant. And the stuff that grows on you when you are nourished with the Holy Spirit, this is what it looks like. This is what blossoms out of you when your nourishment comes from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. And so it comes into being tied in, rooted and founded in the Holy Spirit. And so I want to open up a couple of passages of Scripture in just a moment, so get your devices ready. But in this passage, it talks about I won't, I won't go back to there, but it talks about basically this battle between flesh and spirit. And the, the word for spirit is pneumati. What's interesting is it says those who pursue the flesh will act, act a certain way. Those who are fed by the spirit will be a certain way. And it's a difference. And it also talks, it's, it's, it's almost like flesh, lowercase f, spirit, capital S, and so this is, this is where a pastor loses some people because we don't want to be mystical or supernatural or to expect miracles or expect God to actually show up and do something revelatory or majestic or miraculous. We kind, of, we, kind of, we kind of want to be spoon-fed stuff that says, well, do your best to be kind to people or do your best to have peace or do your best to love yourself. And doing your best doesn't cut it in this passage because flesh is you doing you. Spirit is God, capital S, capital Numati. Spirit doing something in you. And so I'm not saying you should strive to be more loving. You should strive to be more peaceful. You should strive to be more patient or more gentle or more kind. I'm saying you should submit to the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God will make you more loving, more patient, and more kind. Turn to John chapter 20 with me if you would. For those unfamiliar, you just go to Google and type in John 20 and it'll show up. It's pretty amazing. Little miracles in our pockets. Starting in verse 19 through 22. It says this, on the evening of the first day of the week, this was post, post-crucifixion. So this is one of the times Jesus appeared to his friends after he had died. It says on the evening of the first day of the week, When the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you, erene, that word we talked about, shalom. Peace be with you was Jesus' message to them. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, erene, be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he says this, He breathed on them pneumati, Pneumati is, is, is from the same Latin word that we, we use for pneumatology. Is that right? Pneumonology? I'm lost for a moment. It's, it's breath. It's lungs. The, the root is breath and lungs. And so when it says pneumati, it means the breath of God. So it says Jesus breathed on him and it says receive the breath of God. And it says... Receive the Holy Spirit is how the English translates it. And so when we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Christians believe in a Trinitarian theology. And there's there's this idea that there's God the creator, the one who is. when When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father who art in heaven. Heaven is, in the Greek, it's beyond, above, transcendent, over, so there's the Father, that's, that's the, the part of the Trinity that's, that's kind of out there. Then there's the Son, God who became a man and walked among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, it tells us in John. And then there's God, the Holy Spirit, which is the breath of God. It's, 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 it's God here, but beyond. So there's, there's, there's Jesus who you could touch and feel. There's God who, scriptures say, no one has ever seen God, for example. And then there's the Holy Spirit who fills and ebbs and flows and is the conscience in your head head and the vibe of goodness in the world that that fills us. And when we watch this child recovering from brain surgery, there's a big divine yes inside of us. That's that's the Holy Spirit active in every single one of us. And what we find here is that Jesus specifically, when he appeared to his disciples, the first thing he said was, get that, receive that. I'm going to breathe on you. Let it be the breath of life. Let it be the breath of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 1, 4 through 5, Go ahead and turn there if you would. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, this was post-resurrection again. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, he'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, one of his last words to his disciples before his ascension was, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. I've, I've breathed on you. You have received the Holy Spirit, but, but there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more of this spirit that comes, this pneumati that comes and fills us. You see that? Fills us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The fruit that grows on us when we have the Holy Spirit is the, are those things, and now we exude them. Now we have them to give away. And so I don't, I don't have a, and, and then if you want to read later on Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit shows up, some pretty wild stuff starts to happen. I don't have specific instructions for you today as far as how to be more loving or how to be more patient or how to be more kind or more gentle or more self-controlled. What I do want to encourage you to do is look to Jesus who breathes the spirit of life into people and wait. Wait. And so that seems to be the pattern that was spelled out in the New Testament is Jesus offers the Holy Spirit, now wait, now center, now now hold on, be patient and wait. And so I want to encourage you at some point this week to take a moment to sit and wait and say, fill me Holy Spirit, shape my character, change my character to be the character attributes that you value, that you desire for my life. And I believe as you start to make that a practice, then love and joy and peace and patience and so forth will begin to grow on you like fruit grows on a tree.